0: Let's begin. Listeners, I'm excited to have Mike Verasco here joining us from Evolve Bank and Trust Mortgage, and I'm excited to have him here for a number of reasons. Again, I have talked repeatedly about how good the Total Expert Conference was. Each one of the panel discussions, each one of the speakers, it just kept crescendoing into something more and more of a great experience. Again, next year, everyone has got to get to the Total Expert Conference. One of the panels I went to was "It sales strategies from the street. And Mike was one of the panelists on there. And some of the things he said, I said, we've got to get him on the podcast To share what he shared with that group so mike welcome to the podcast good to have you here fred thanks so much for having me it's it was a joy it was a joy meeting you now you have you've been an experienced mortgage loan officer in the industry what did it is it seven years experience
1: yeah yeah i got in uh about seven years ago actually right after i bought my first home i was actually in marketing i did marketing for a small hvac company in went our own different ways. In about three weeks after I bought my house, I was laid off. So my loan officer did a really <laughs> great job with the follow-up. And he jokingly said, hey, if you know anyone looking for a job, I need someone. I said, oh, I'm not looking to get foreclosed on. And that's how I ended up in the mortgage <laughs> industry. So he's uh, LOA and I had this idea of going into processing and underwriting. And he's, uh-huh. was it two months there? And he's now, you, you got to become a loan officer. You're, you're really good at this.
0: It's what's so fun about this is we talk about drawing in the next generation. I've been in this industry for 50 years, Mike, so it's a long time. And I am always looking to the next generation. So it's really encouraging to talk to someone who's in and fairly new to the industry. Seven years is a good amount of time. you got some great experience in this as, and obviously total expert thought enough of what you're doing there. To have you literally on a panel. And there were things I want to really get in and talk about that. So tell us a little bit more about Evolve and and the nature of that, your mortgage operation there.
1: Yeah. So the Evolve is actually based out of Memphis, Tennessee. It's a great organization. I joined them about three years ago, bounced around at a couple of different shops and finally landed a place that I really love here. I'm actually based out of central Massachusetts. So we don't have any of the banking products, I guess you could say checking, savings, things like that. We just do mortgages up here. So it's a, a kind of different dynamic for us. Absolutely great, though. We've had some awesome support from senior management with different products to really help us overcome this market. We had a doctor loan. We had some really aggressive arms back you know, early in the year as well that helped us really succeed in, in these challenging times right now.
0: Yeah. And tell us a little bit more about Evolve because you have a good number of loan officers. Now, first of all, how what's the asset size of the bank? It's not the biggest bank out there. Very small, know, it's, thought. It's,
1: it's not a huge bank. I forget the asset size exactly just because I don't deal with the bank too much. I think last year we did about a billion dollars in mortgage loans though, and the year before yeah. that as well. But it's not a massive bank. It's just a local bank down in Memphis. They have a couple other branches in, was it Arkansas and Tennessee? And there's, I think one more state. So it's not like a crazy big bank, but we do have a great mortgage division inside of it it that helps us really differentiate from others in the market. And Total Expert has been awesome since we brought them on. I've used them for years and I can't speak highly enough about what they've done for my business in the last six months, especially getting things out there fast and the marketing that I'm able to do with my referral partners and reminders and past clients to really stay in front of people and stay top of mind right now.
0: Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Total expert, really an excellent product. And uh, what you're doing, I share part, I want you to share part of the story about the bank because we have a number of community banks that are listening to our podcast and there, should we expand the mortgage division? Should we go out of our state? Should we go? And I, I think you guys are a great, testimony to the fact that yes, you don't have to be the biggest bank. You could have a very good income from a mortgage division if it's run properly. And you guys do run yours properly. And I think that's encouragement to any, community banker listening to this podcast. I know it may sound like a threat to the IMBs out there because you do have some advantages when it comes to creating a products. Now, I to the IMBers that are listening to this, independent mortgage bankers, when I say IMBers, independent mortgage bankers, most of you know that, but we, we do have some people new to the industry, so I don't want to confuse them with another term here. But one of the things that is important if independent mortgage bankers, you can work with community lenders in your area to create products that you could take to market just like Mike has done that there within the company. So you can be an entrepreneur like Mike is, or you could be an entrepreneur and get out and do that with a relationship with the bank. So anyway, just just wanna put that footnote out there for our listeners. It's a strategy thing we're trying to talk about more and more. One of the things you talked about when you spoke from the platform was your commitment to consistency. I really like this, and there's some great examples of that, but what do you mean, when you said in on your panel discussion, a commitment to consistency?
1: Yeah, so commitment to consistency on my end is really important because it's what I'm telling all my buyers to do. It's what I'm telling all my realtor partners to do. We're already seeing realtors leave the market. We're seeing loan officers leave this industry as well too because they can't make it work in this contraction time. So I'm staying consistent. I've made a commitment to it at the beginning. And what I'm asking from different people is, I talked to some of my loan officer friends. One great example that comes up is one of my loan officer friends, I'm not even exaggerating, I think hit like 100 open houses in a weekend. Those are talking about the open houses that are like the commuter 100 open houses, open houses in a weekend. That's not a month, in a weekend. That is yeah. amazing. Yeah, they did commuter open houses on Thursdays and Fridays, and they stopped by and talked to the realtors, gave them their little rescue packs. Saturday morning, hit the ground running. They pre-planned, and that's a big thing. Loan officers really need to start pre-planning their time and really allocating it correctly. Great example where she created the route and saw, okay, this one's 11 to one, this one's 11 to one, this one's 12 to two, this one's 12 to one. And she set it all up so she knew that she could hit all the ones that she had to do. When it comes to a loan officer, that's one of the best commitment to consistency stories that I know for a loan officer. But I tell this to my realtors, to my clients, and my clients, the big one, is 4th of July weekend. That was a great weekend for me. I got a couple offers accepted. You know why? Because my clients were out there shopping. My clients were out there hitting the open houses. Everyone else was at barbecues. They were staying consistent in their effort to buy a house. That was their goal. And they stayed committed to staying consistent and going to those open houses. They didn't care. Rain, shine, Father's Day weekend, Mother's Day weekend, 4th of July. All, whenever people are starting to back off or even when rates are going up, as the rates are going up, people are going to start getting on the sideline and they're going to wait for the rates to come back down. Rates come back down, everyone floods the market again, and now you're in a multi-bid situation. You have a better likelihood when people are sitting on the sidelines. And that's what I'm noticing when my clients are getting offers accepted. It's because they're consistent and they're out there and they've really made a commitment that this is a goal that they really want by the end of the year. Yeah, it's so good. From It's
0: not only good advice to your LOs that you're working out, they're good out, hustle harder. And when you're in a down market, it's just a matter of doing more of the right thing. And you're going to get greater lift. I was talking to Emily Farley over at Atlantic Bay, and she has a couple of loan officers are just crushing it. She says they've quadrupled their effort to be able to get out there and do that. And that's what you're talking about. And what's also interesting about that, which is philosophy I have, and that is you as a lender, you as originators should be advising and coaching and challenging the realtors and your buyers. There are homes to be bought. The question is, are you going to go out and hu- out hustle the other buyers that are out there looking to that home and looking to buy a home? And I just love your philosophy, Mike.
1: It's, it's really good. It's, it's the best advice because here's the other thing too. I was just at a panel with a bunch of realtors this week. And they were all talking about some of the crazy things they're doing to get offers accepted. And I'm like, wait, you're doing non-refundable EMDs? You're doing crazy appraisal gaps? I'm like, I literally have a a home inspection, 30-day close, FHA offer accepted. And they go, how'd you do that? And I go, I just listened to what the seller needed. And it it just baffles me that there's so much craziness going on. And you could still get your offer accepted in a normal time frame without doing these crazy things right now. You listened
0: to what the seller was saying, what their needs were, what they were looking for. That's so important.
1: It, it really is. I can't underestimate that enough, but you don't have to be the highest offer. You just have to match what the seller needs and make them feel secure at the end of the day. That's so good.
0: What are you seeing as relates to the home buyer that's out there and the behavior, in, at least in your market, and how does it differ from things you've seen in the
1: years past, Mike? So... The buyers right now in my market are behaving really weird because I'm in central Massachusetts. I always say this, we're very well insulated because of Boston. So as things <laughs> slow down in other markets, we're still seeing uh, huge lines of open houses. We're still seeing multiple offers, 10, 15, 20, just had one way. We were one of 27 offers against it. And obviously that one went to a cash buyer. the The crazy thing about buyer behavior right now is they have, FOMO, the fear of missing out. They've already missed out on the low rates. They missed out on a bunch of houses. Now that rates have gone up and they're coming back down, they're already having FOMO round two, which is really intense right now. So they have this very rush mentality. Everything's almost like an emergency. And then when they're under agreement, it's, oh my God, are we making this right choice? And we go over everything beforehand, make them feel very comfortable. But then they're like, it's almost like, oh my God, am I doing the right thing? What happens if this happens? What happens if that happens? And they're really seeing the ramifications of what's going on in the market because they felt rushed for their decision. And that's really the important thing is to try to slow them down in the beginning to make sure that they're really understanding. I have people coming to me, hey, we found this house on Zillow. We have to move like yesterday. I'm like, that one's already under agreement four days ago. So
0: And and it does create an intense pressure and a FOMO, the fear of missing out. I love that. And people are just at a heightened anxiety level and it's you being an advisor to them it's just such an important part and then what you become is really a, a trusted confidant and they start listening to you that's when you have them not just for that transaction most likely for the next transaction they're doing one of the things that'd be interesting is get your take on what are some of the external factors you've seen as the biggest obstacles at least in your market
1: So one of the biggest external factors to this day, I say it all all the time to everyone, is 2008. 2008 created the market that we're in now because home builders didn't have the confidence to build back then. They had the slowest amount of new builds in a decade. On top of it, we had such a surplus of houses back then. Now we have the inventory problems. This is... In my opinion, 2008 created a lot of animosity because now not only are we in this inventory shortage problem, people are comparing the the home prices now to 2008, and they keep saying the market's going to crash, the market's going to crash, it's just going to have to happen. This is what happened in 2008. And when you look at it as a very simple level, yeah, I could see where people say that. But the problem is, you when you stay taking a look at all the other factors that are driving this, higher construction costs, inflation, the lack of new builds, the lack of inventory, even contractor confidence is starting to rise a little bit, but not crazy. So we're still going to be in this inventory shortage. And until people have these 2 3% loans, was it 40% of loans right now or under 4% right now? And right. until people get comfortable with these 5 sixes, 7% interest rates they're going to be a lot of inventory problems because people are going to be stuck in the house that they refinanced or bought in between 2020 and 2022. Yeah, so true. When
0: we're talking about some of the obstacles, what are some of the internal factors that might be an obstacle that you've had to overcome?
1: So internally, I struggle with this and I think every LO is going to struggle with this is if you just got to get out of your head, You got to do things differently. You're going to be working harder for less money. You got to get used to that for the short period. It goes back to my commitment for consistency. You've got to stay consistent. If you're not going to be consistent, then you're going to struggle. If you're consistent and let's say April was a terrible month for you, but you were still out there, you were still talking to your referral partners. You're still talking to your clients. You're still doing the right things. You're going to keep developing a strong business. But they have to. Hey, listen, I'm going to close 25, 30 loans this month. No problem. This is awesome. And you're basically just printing money at that point, and it's an internal struggle just to keep your morale up right now, especially yeah, when you see a lot of people saying that they're doing really well. It's really easy to fact check a lot of people out there, so it's one of those <laughs> things. You just got to stay out of your head. You got to stay consistent. You got to make a commitment to that consistency, and you just got to do it. It really not a hard business to be very successful in if you stay committed.
0: Yeah, you're raising so many good points. I want to go back and repeat each one of them, but I want to keep moving on here because the commitment to consistency includes a velocity as well. It's the number of activities that you're doing that you're talking about here. I can see why I was so drawn to you and with some of your comments you're making. How are you overcoming the challenge of this market? When you're advising loan officers that you're working with and and you for yourself, how are you personally overcoming these challenges?
1: So I was lucky at the beginning of this year and at the end of the year last year. Well, the market was shifting. I have a great company that really understood some of our needs and they still see it and, and they're shifting with it. They're making the changes That we need to be more competitive, offer more products, really dive into more things like renovation lending, which everyone, you talk to a loan officer, there's some loan officers that never want to touch it. There's some loan officers that were like, oh yeah, I'd do that if it came around. And it's not one of those products. So as we're growing as a company, it's helping me offer more products and stay relevant and stay out there with giving really great information instead of dropping by a realtor's office and saying, Oh, here's some products. It's a conventional loan and here's our rates or a rate sheet cuz realtors are tired of talking to us. Let's be real. They don't want to get our call that you're one of 15 calls that they got that morning to invite them out for coffee or lunch or something like that. There's got to be a proposition of value. And that's what I've been doing and a big part of it going back to what I've been saying is that commitment to consistency. I'm still talking to my realtors and my best referral partners, my best clients. I have clients that refer me at least one or two clients and friends a month because they have such faith in me. I've treated them right over the years. Those people get treated correctly by me and I'm out there showing them, Hey, listen, this is what the market's doing. And I'm showing them what needs to be done in order to get their offers accepted because they're having struggles with potentially another lender because maybe they're not calling the listing agent behind the offer, or they're not doing a custom Prequal, preapproval pre-approval letter that states the address of the property they're listing on. There are little tweaks out there that can help make the difference between getting an offer accepted and keeping you out there next week looking at open houses. And it's a bunch of little things that make a big difference.
0: A bunch of little things that makes a big difference, which really gets into your business model. How has it changed from last year to this year? What are some of the biggest changes you've had to make in your business model?
1: So, with last year being such a refi heavy year, and same with 2021, obviously you got to focus a little bit more on the purchases. The nice thing about my business model is I always view refis as a bonus. So, any of the cash outs, they'll they'll be there. You got your divorce attorneys that are going to refer you for divorce loans and scenarios like that's always going to be there. But when you got rate and term refinances and you're closing a lot of them, treat them like a bonus because. I knew a long time ago they were not going to be around forever. Rates eventually have to go up. That was just the reality of it. Right. My business this year has seen very little change. I'm a little bit more focused on some of my marketing, my pre-approvals slash pre-qualifications. Those people are getting a little bit more touches. They're running into more scenarios, and I'm just seeing myself doing a lot more work right now. It's just a lot more work than the last couple of years on the purchases, even because the last couple mm-hmm. of years. They're- there was a little bit more inventory and people didn't have the low rates and they were selling because they could get lower rates still. So now it's more scenarios because there's less shoppers, less inventory, more shoppers. And it's just a lot of work and running and making sure people are, have a lot more knowledge before they're going out there or before they're even going to the open house, because I have a lot of people right now that will not necessarily send me, Hey, I'm going to look at one, two, three main street this weekend. All of a sudden, it's Monday morning. Hey, offers are due by noon. I looked at 123 Main Street and we actually did like it. Can you run five scenarios? And then it's me getting on the phone. Monday mornings are crazy. So Monday mornings are not days where I'm talking to realtors anymore. It's Monday afternoons. I talk to listing agents about the offers that are in. So it's a structure of my day that has changed really is the biggest change I've seen in my business model. But other than that, you got to focus on your purchase business through the good times when there's lottery buys through the bad times, when we're in a market like we're in now, because at the end of the day, that is your bread and butter, and that's how you stay consistent with your income. So let me
0: ask you this question: because where I want to go is, I want to talk about how you're using Total Expert. I was talking to Dan Catanelli yesterday, Mike, and we were talking about getting more customer testimonials recorded. And so I would like to get have you go how you're using this tool.
1: Dan, Dan's a great guy. I actually, I'm on the advisory board for. Total Expert and meet with them once a month. Then we talk about what's just going on in the market, the constraints, yeah. the contraction that's going on. And Total Expert has really been an amazing job at helping me out. I've used it before at other companies. And now that we have it here, we got it here a couple months ago. And I absolutely love it. I use a lot of different features with it. I use their journeys and their campaigns. I love the grouping. So I have all my clients, old school, A plus clients, B clients, C clients. So I know who's giving me referrals. They do the same with realtors and I'm sending them campaigns. I have groups with, hey, here's the people that are shopping and they're actively shopping. Here's the people that I call them home buyers clubs and they need some credit repair. They might need to work on some debt-to-income issues, and, and they're on their own campaign. Then I have the pre the proof shoppers, and they're getting a very high touch and, and making sure that they know what's going on in the market and high knowledge. So these campaigns have helped me. But the one of the biggest things is their integration with BombBomb. Absolutely oh, yeah. love BombBomb because I can just send a quick video out. I see who's watching it. How long do they watch it? Do they watch it to completion? Do they only watch 10% of it and shut it off? And that's how I know if I'm creating engaging content because everyone talks about content out there, and you need that you need content with intent. You can't just put out saying, Oh, yeah, hey, think of me for your mortgage needs, or Happy Fourth of July, think of me for your mortgage needs. It's got to be a little bit more subtle, a little bit more genuine posts. And it's really helped me change the way that I do some of my videos and some right. of my newsletters or email campaigns because I can actually get that data and see okay this email got me 15 unsubscribes or something okay what did I do wrong in that to create mm-hmm. so many unsubscribes when my average is only one or two because maybe they just don't want in my emails anymore so total yeah. experts has been huge for me this year
0: yeah you got that while you're on stage you've saw how you're using it how difficult or how much time has it taken for you to become a proficient user of Total Expert? And how have they helped and accelerate you and your knowledge journey in your learning curve?
1: It's been great. It's really easy to use. I'm in my mid thirties. So I grew up with that weird era before technology and then technology got integrated while I was in middle school. I think I'm a fast learner when it comes to this stuff. And I picked up Total Expert pretty quickly. The only kind of caveat to that is there's a lot that you can do, especially if you have access to create those custom journeys and custom campaigns. You really have to have multiple monitors because it's very interactive where you could set up and say, okay, if this buyer moves to this group, then this is what the email train is going to be. But if this client moves to this group, then you're going to send this chain of emails out over time and and things like that. So that can get very tedious and it helps having a marketing department that's very good and understands what you're looking for in those scenarios. But for the general stuff for a loan officer that that they're gonna be using on the day-to-day, it's very easy. I mean, you pull up, you get your dashboard, you see whose birthdays it are, you see maybe a couple new listings. They have the, the customer intelligence. Okay, John Smith got his credit pulled for a mortgage overnight. What's he doing? Okay, I got to call John Smith today and say, hey, what's going on? Maybe shopping you or maybe as a past client. So it really helps me structure my day as well throughout. So all the information's right there. It's super easy to use, super easy to use for the day-to-day loan officer.
0: Yeah, it was so much fun seeing your enthusiasm for what you do, Mike, especially learning that you have just been in the business only for seven years. Again, from my perspective, that's you're new into the business, but man, you're crushing it because number one, your attitude. Again, I love your saying commitment to consistency, and it's just being out there doing the same thing. And it's doing more. The thought of someone, one of your people is out hitting a hundred open houses in a weekend. It's astounding. And you said, what's interesting about that the correlating fundings is that person funded, you said from the stage, I believe that person funded 10 loans that month because of them and their commitment to consistency, find a business model that works and consistently execute on it and do a lot of it. if volumes down, just do more of it. And they're, they're crushing it 10 loans in one month within this market it says something. Someone's following your instructions, following your lead, Mike. It's
1: great. Yeah. It's amazing how just doing this little things can make that big difference between, okay, I'm closing one or two loans this month. to closing five to 10 loans, couple million dollars. And when there's a lot of loan officers out there that haven't closed a loan yet this year, and they're struggling to get that first one closed for by the end of the summer. <laughs>
0: And then you got someone out there closing 10 because they're just out hustling everyone else. I love the story, Mike. I'm so glad you agreed to come on the podcast. I love your partnership with Total Expert, how you're using these tools intelligently. And it's making obviously a difference as we just heard. Listeners, this has been good. Share this with others. Mike, thanks so much for coming on. I want to stay in touch with you and uh, continue to watch your successful trajectory in this business. You're doing a great job and it's really encouraging to hear someone who's new in the business doing as well as you are. Congratulations. And thank you for coming on the podcast.
1: Thanks so much, David. Thanks so much for having me
0: on. It's an honor. Appreciate it. All
1: right, listeners, share that interview. It's a good one. We are
0: needing to be consistent in our activity and just doing a lot more of it. And you could too can be successful. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Thank you for listening listeners.